You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, good morning. Delighted you're here. You know, there's a guy, um, Andrew Wilson. Some of you will have heard of him. I I couldn't recommend his books more highly to you. He's he's based in London, and he says, um, obviously for a number of reasons, but he's like, read your Bibles because it will change your lives. It's what causes us to go to the brothels in India. I think that's the exact example he uses because you want to see God's justice prevail. Read your Bibles because it's what causes us to have a heart for the broken, the lost, the hurting, the marginalized, those in child poverty in this city. And I just read it over over Ali. It says in uh, Isaiah 42, he will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Isn't that the cry and the prayer of our hearts? And um, the verses before kind of really tie into exactly what I want to share this morning. It says, he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the whole earth. And um, just just as I start this morning, gosh, I'd love that to rest on some of you. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. Would that be spoken over you if you feel that that this morning? If if you're feeling bruised, if you feel like the, the candle's flame is just flickering and almost snuffed out, would that not be the case? Last week, I started this um, three-part series on, on talking about healing. Last week was phenomenal. For those of you that were here, we, we saw a number of people physically healed as a result of praying for physical healing. My daughter said to me afterwards, because the kids came in and joined us and prayed for some people, she said to me, Dad, it actually works. Praying actually works. They'd prayed for this person three or four times, and they were physically healed. And um, I love that the kids were part of it because I think their faith teaches us something quite remarkable. Some of the prayers they pray. And I chatted with a few of you afterwards and just even personally heard some of your stories of pain reduced, pain gone, complete healing for some of you. And um, it's exactly how we said it last week. The more we pray for healing, the more we're going to see healing. And the more we see it, the more we're going to pray for it because it increases our faith and increases uh, boldness. Equally, I think it's exactly as we said last week, that we really have to be on our guard. We've got to um, persist and resist. We've got to persist in praying, but we've also got to resist the enemy. Before Last week, we talked that before praying for it, during praying for it, and after praying for it, the enemy can really play games with us. And I think it was exactly as we said last week that I spoke with a few of you and you just felt really flat. Some of you had, have, have longed for healing for a long time and didn't see any change. And um, I could tell stories of that. Actually, I could tell stories instead from my own life, even of last week. We had some prayer for physical healing and sometimes things actually get worse rather than better. And um, we've got to persist and resist. We've got to persist in praying and we've got to resist the the games that the enemy seeks to play to stop us and to discourage us. And um, next week, I want to conclude this series by talking about what when when we don't get healed. 
what does that look like? How do we deal with that? How do we process that? And honestly, I think that's really key. It's a key one to hear because there is a tension. We're in a battle and we need to have an understanding of, of pain as much as we need to have an understanding of, of breakthrough. And um, as I speak this morning, I think very much like last week, I just want to say it may be easier if you don't see this as a talk, just see this as a, as a fireside chat. Imagine we're just camping not that you all like camping. This could be us in a few weeks. I don't think you're allowed to have a fire there, but I love a little fire, a little chimney or something like that. And we're just chatting, just toasting a few marshmallows, having a little conversation. Well, this week, having that conversation around the fire, I just want to talk a little bit about inner healing. And I know for some of you, this, this could be quite a hard one. It could be quite hard to hear. It could be quite hard to process. And it could be quite hard to respond, but honestly, I believe it's worth it. I believe it's worth it in the long run. I'm not trying to make it painful just for the fun of it, but honestly, I believe in you enough and I value you enough that I'd be willing to go there. We can't avoid talking about this. Jesus doesn't bind us. Jesus sets us free, and I long for you to be as free as you possibly can be. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Jesus has set us free. He hasn't bound us. He set us free. And we've got to get free and stay free. And many of us are held captive to many things. But Jesus has set us free. And we've got to stay free. So um, let me explain it like this. I don't know if any of you have, have, have stubbed your toe. Gosh, that hurts, doesn't it? Have you ever stubbed your little toe? That can be really vulnerable as like the smallest toe. It's kind of out there on its own on the end of the line of toes. And um, a few times I think I've stubbed that toe and sometimes just a little bit and it hurts. Sometimes like kind of like a lot. And uh, I often do because I'm wearing flip-flops and I'm slightly clumsy. But, but when I do, I hop around like mad for about five minutes repeatedly saying, it doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt. Doesn't actually hurt. No pain. I'm fine. It doesn't hurt. So, and um, sometimes it's too painful to even do that. You can't say it doesn't hurt. You just go through the motions of shouting very loudly, in pain, hobbling about, trying to get ice on it, wondering if it'll ever recover or if it's going to need amputating or whatever. But um, you know, if you'd never seen me stub my toe, but you had seen me jumping about hobbling, assessing it, thinking it's going to need amputating, trying to put ice on it, you'd think I was absolutely barking mad. You might think I'm barking mad anyway, but in that context, not seeing me stub it, but just seeing my reaction to it, you'd think I was nuts. And I think most of you would distance yourself from me quite politely and just remove yourself from the room. If you'd have seen me stub my toe, you might have, might have a slight degree of sympathy, but even still, that pain is my pain. It's not your pain. You can't actually feel it and you're not experiencing it. So you still might think, what are you doing? And it might be slightly harder to understand. And I, I wonder if you, you kind of see the bigger picture of what I mean. Because often I think in life, we stub our toe. We collide with life. We collide with people. We collide with challenging environments and dynamics. And we bump into things that often actually we haven't invited. Sometimes I think we do invite things, but often we haven't. Someone else might have slammed the door on your toe. Someone else might have even slammed that door on your toe deliberately. And often 
rather than the pain be visible in the moment, we learn to bury it or we learn to mask it. And sometimes we even feel guilty for it and quite ashamed of it. But that pain needs to come out. Whether or not we have a yelp or an ouch in the moment, that pain still needs to come out. And sometimes it can come out many, many years later. Often it trickles out in as we worship Jesus, as we turn our eyes, attention, and affection to him, as we catch just a glimpse of the presence of God, sometimes that pain can be released, and we don't always understand in the moment exactly what is happening. But I would say often we aren't in people's hurt. We're not there in that time or the season of hurt, but we may walk alongside them as they start to be healed. And we've got to be incredibly sensitive to that and what that might mean for them and what that might look like for them and what some of their reactions in life might be as a result of those stubbing their toes moments. Now, today I just want to really just sit around the fire, tell you a few stories and um, to try and give this a bit of context. I don't want to make it about me, um, but equally it's going to be a lot easier to tell you stories about me because I don't need permission to share them. Um, but this last week marks 10 years since my dad died. He was robbed of life at the age of 52 by a very aggressive form of cancer. And his poor lifestyle choices and bad behavior had a huge impact on the early years of my life. I heard, hardly knew him, but the trail of destruction that he left created for me significant challenges. And I, I don't tell you that to feel sorry for me. I don't feel sorry for myself, actually. Um, but if you can just park that story just for a minute, I want to tell you another one. Most of my life, I've struggled with insomnia. Now, often people make suggestions when you might share something like that of, of ways that would help you sleep. Oh, you know, you just need to have a cup of warm milk with a bit of honey in it or have a warm bath. And it's like, honestly, as I've not thought of that. I, um, I tried the lot. I tried counseling, uh, tablets, sleep clinics, sleep psychologists, pretty much everything. Anyway, about six years ago, I'm kind of guessing on the time frame, I think it was about six years ago, I was in this prayer time with the staff team of the church that we used to be part of before planting this one. Anyway, prior to that prayer time, I'd said to the church leaders, guys, I don't want to bleed about this. I don't want to make this a thing. I didn't really like telling people about it because you come identified by it, but I said my sleep is at really at a ridiculous level. Um, my sleep is minimal, you know, a few hours a night, absolute tops. And when I do sleep, I have incredibly disturbed um, dreams and restless sleep. So we're in this prayer time, and a few people are praying for me, and the church leaders come and join me, and they're praying with me. And it, it's kind of like the standard prayer time. I've got my eyes closed, hands out, people praying for me. And obviously, it's, it's a wonderful time. I'm not trying to belittle that in any way. But it was nothing out of the ordinary. And then um, Debbie, who one of the leaders of the church, she comes over to me and she says, Paul, say it. And I'm thinking, say, say, say what? <laughs> and uh, she's like, I've got my eyes closed, hands out. Paul, you need to say it. And I'm like, say, say what? In my head, obviously. And she's like, Paul, speak it out. You need to speak it out. <laughs> I'm like, speak what out? 
And um, now, with the greatest respect, I realize this is recorded, but with the greatest respect and love to her, her personality is one that is slightly charismatic. So I didn't really think much of it. I'm just thinking, oh, this is just Debbie been Debbie, and I'll just carry on with my eyes shut, listening to the Lord. She says, Paul, say it. And I'm like, say, say what? This is getting a bit awkward now. Then there's this moment where there was nothing there, and I'm thinking, say what? Then suddenly I've just got something I want to say. It's on the tip of my tongue. It comes right to the forefront of my mind. And uh, I've gone from no idea what they're talking about, this just needs to wash over me, and she's slightly charismatic, to I know exactly what I want to say and I need to say. It was kind of a very strange experience. But then as I've gone to say it, my jaw locked, and um, it... It, it just froze. Again, it's quite hard to explain, but she's like, say it, and I've gone, because I couldn't move my jaw. And, and then she kind of changed mode. You could just hear in her voice, she kind of went into war mode. It was like, some, some of this stuff, honestly, is a battle. And she's, she's like, let him speak, say it. Then, then I said it, and it just came out, plain English, clear as day, I heard it, and everyone around heard it. I don't want to be like my dad. And I dropped to the floor, weepy snot everywhere. I saw a bit of detail. Probably for about 15 minutes, just crying, blubbing like a, like a five-year-old. Then the peace of God came over my life. Almost like, it's quite hard to explain if you've not sensed it like that, but almost tangibly. It was almost like you could grab hold of this piece. And something significant had happened, but I'd got no idea what, and I couldn't quite explain it. What was, what was the whole jaw thing? Well, I think there's always a wrestle. Honestly, the, the enemy seeks to bind us and bind us in hurt and pain. God seeks to see us free and to liberate us and see us come into the fullness of a relationship with him. Now, that battle is not always visible. That's not always something we can see. But, but as an illustration, because that was something I could physically discern and describe to you, actually, it's quite a helpful one to be able to um, explain and just then unpick a few aspects of it with you. Was I demon-possessed, for those of you that are panicking? Well, actually, I don't, I don't believe in demon possession. I think anybody can be demonized. I don't believe in demon possession. There can be, that we all would see or know or experience um, influences of the enemy in our lives because his role is to kill and destroy, but I wasn't possessed. I would say I was demonized, potentially. Actually, I've never really sought to label it that specifically. I don't think it's that helpful. I don't chase any of that. I chase Jesus. I chase the presence and the freedom that comes from knowing him and having an identity rooted in him. What I do know is there was definitely in my life less of some stuff that was not helpful and more of some stuff that was helpful. Now, a few things more widely happened. Firstly, I felt embarrassed. Oh my goodness, in front of a room of, I don't know, 15, 20 people, I've just made a bit of a fool of myself. Actually, I hadn't. I think that's just what the enemy does. He tries to keep us to keep stuff in and that's one of the cards he plays that we might feel embarrassed. It's crucial in those moments as well, I'd say, that we don't humanly rush in. You know, in that moment of what was going on with me, because there's kind of tears and snot and all sorts, 
I, th I think you could, have had, you could have had the tissue givers. You can see them a mile off. They rush in the second the first tear starts to well in somebody's eye. Or they could have been like the hug giver, you know, just a gentle backstroke hugging me out of it. Do you know what I mean? Here's, here's, here's a tissue. You're about to cry. Honestly, the time for all of that comes, and actually you want to maintain a degree of dignity after the moment where tissues are important and the, the hugs and all sorts. But I think that really comes later. It's really important that we let the Spirit of God break in and he does whatever he wants to do. And we don't interrupt that with human care. They, I could have been given human care in that moment. I didn't need that. I need the kingdom of God in his fullness. And so I, I want to say sometimes we've actually got to let the snot drop. And I don't say that. I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm not trying to make you feel awkward about that. But I think it's really important we get that. We need the kingdom of God to break in. We don't need human comfort. As much as I love you and as much as I'm for you, that's not what I need. You know, the second thing that happened to me is I felt a degree of, what's just happened? Is that normal? Well, it's kind of defined normal, but is it, is it okay what just happened? I'm supposed to be a Jesus follower. Actually, at that time, I'm supposed to be a staff member of a church. I've just had a mega moment. Is that okay? You know, I said to them, the guys who led that church, I said, guys, afterwards, do I need to walk away? Do I need to resign? I was actually being genuine in that moment. Their response was, I don't you'd be ridiculous. You have and you are and you will walk in greater freedom as a result of this. We need to have moments in our lives where we allow the kingdom to break in because we all have stuff. Now, it's not the same stuff, but we all have stuff. Now, I need to be really careful here because many years earlier, I'd spent a bit of time getting caught in a bit of a trap. I was constantly digging for stuff. I was trying to identify sin in my life that might have been the cause or the root of some of the stuff that would limited me. The last thing I want to do today is stir you up to dig for stuff that isn't there. You know, the Holy Spirit reveals stuff as and when he needs to, and he convicts us of stuff. Now, that's his job. It's not our job, and it's not anybody else's job. When he does, he shows us how to be free, and then actually we can live free. I constantly pray that prayer, though. Father, how can I be more like you? Show me the stuff that inhibits a relationship with you. Show me who I could be. Show me who you want me to be. Forgive me my sin. Lead me not into temptation. It's kind of the prayer of my heart. But what I don't need to do is spend my life beating myself up, digging for things that aren't there. Do you see what I mean? I don't want to spend too long chatting about that, but I think it's important to mention it. Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He came to set you free. And I long to see that in your life. Now, back to the, back to the story. You know, what's always fascinated me is from the moment of that prayer time, my sleep patterns have completely changed. Now, I would say, um, I would say now, I, I wouldn't even say I'm an insomniac at all. I wouldn't actually say I've even got a sleep problem. What I would say is I don't get as much sleep as I want to have, partly because I've got young children and partly because I've started playing lemmings, which is quite addictive. <laughs> but, um, 
<laughs> Sorry, you, I hope that doesn't lead you into an addiction. But the, the other thing that has always fascinated me about what, what happened is, is the timing. Why then? I'd prayed for that for, I don't know, since maybe I was about 14. Why not years earlier? Why that exact moment? I, I don't think I really bled about it. I wasn't the kind of person who just go around telling everyone, always, oh, I'm a bit of an insomniac, I don't really sleep, telling everyone and anyone involved. I didn't want to be identified by it. I didn't want to, to limit my life, even though it really did mess up elements of my life. But why did the Lord lift it off me right then in that moment and not before? My absolute best theological answer, if I can give you one, is I've got absolutely no idea. I really haven't, you know? Other than to say... I trust him, and I trust his timing, and I love his timing. Some things take time. Some things are a bit quicker. Some things take a lot of time. Some things happen over a period of time progressively, and we revisit them. I, all I had to do was just do my bit and be constantly open to God and seeking first his kingdom. Now, it's always fascinated me. I don't want to say there's always a link, but sometimes there is a link between physical healing and inner hurts. And it happened in that moment, I would say, there was quite a, a, a very discernible link. But emotional and psychological hurts linger in the form of bad memories. And thoughts of hurtful experiences from the past can become barriers to our personal growth and may lead us, may lead us, into forms of sin, emotional problems, or even physical illnesses. Now, let me just put some meat on the bone of, of what I mean. Honestly, there could be a bit of an endless list to some of this stuff. But the kind of thing I'm, I'm talking about broadly is breaking the powers of, of the lies that have been spoken over you, releasing out and driving out depressing fears, addressing irrational behaviors, breaking the bondage of evil spirits, breaking a binding and sinful vow, breaking and exposing false choices that may be over your life, healing you or seeing you healed of traumatic experiences, freedom from rejection, the release of guilt, the release of shame, repentance for sin, the breaking from, from the power of self-harm, healing from neglect, healing of abuse, a release of anger, actually believing that you are lovable, some of you really need to hear that from the Father. And there needs to be a breaking of the prevention of you actually hearing that. You are loved. And with you, he is well pleased. Releasing oppression. Releasing the inner child. Healing of the spirit. Healing of the mind. I, I could kind of go on and on and on and on. But I think you get the idea. But what is, what is inner healing? Well, it's the process of the Holy Spirit bringing to you forgiveness of your sins and emotional renewing, renewal, sorry, to the suffering that you may be experienced as a result of a damaged mind, will, or emotion. Now, when we talk about inner healing, there's, there's kind of three broad categories that most of the hurtful or damaging experiences fall into. The first is damage that comes of the result of being born into a sinful world. They're not the result of anybody else or what anybody else has done to you. They include things that are not as a result of our personal choices and actually are very much outside of our control. Things like inherited uh, illness, accidents, poverty, things like that. Now, the second one 
which can be painful for a number of you, could be wounds that are inflicted by others, parents or family members, friends or acquaintances, even strangers sometimes, whether that is intentionally or totally unconsciously or unintentionally. Now, the, the final one, again, very complicated and can be quite painful, can be as a result of things we've done, sins we've committed. Now, I realize that's a sensitive one, but it is a reality. There are things that can cause deep-rooted pain, like, you know, things like having an affair, something like that. Also, things like greed, competitiveness, jealousy, all those kind of things can lead to emotional and psychological pain. Often a number of things, or these things, result in feelings of guilt and shame that you can carry for many years. Now, many times I've prayed for people in those situations that they know that God forgives them, but actually they struggle to forgive themselves. Again, it can be a deep weight on your life. What you might know intellectually hasn't yet become something that's reached your hearts. Poor, poor choices can lead to and can create emotional damage. Now, they aren't necessarily sinful. A poor choice isn't always necessarily a sinful choice, but it can be unwise and it can lead to a degree of guilt and anger and shame. Now, hurtful and damaging experiences leave us with remembered and remaining emotional responses that limit our freedom to fully experience the grace of God, the burden of pain that to one degree or another we all carry. We all carry and it drains our energy and it makes us feel various things. It might be feeling unworthy or guilty or hopeless or broken or unforgivable. Now, these negative feelings that develop within us over a period of time, they can start to convert into negative patterns of behavior and our past or what we thought was in the past can then start to impact our future. Now, what inner healing does is it starts to take place when we become aware of some of those things. We become aware that we're held back or held down by some of the things of our past. Now, as I said last week, the same applies this week, I'm all for medical options. Honestly, I am. Sometimes we can neglect that, but there are some incredibly skilled, gifted, creative people of which I believe God has given them that wisdom and creativity to help us in times of need. And that can be a remarkable pathway and source to bring inner healing, and we should never neglect it. Equally, I would say I've had a lot of counselling, a lot of CBT, a lot of prayer ministry, small ministry teams. I've kind of done most of them. Um, I'm a both feet in person. But if you were to ask me what has helped me the most, what has realigned me the most, if you were to ask me why I would say quite openly and easily I'm nothing like my earthly dad and my past is very much in my past, why I'm not who I was when even I first found Jesus, because I've gone on such a journey since then of inner healing and restoration, I would say 100% with no hesitation is because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit transforming me. No other reason. Now, at times, gradually, through power encounters, power encounters really are just what you could call the, I think they're like the eureka moments. You know, it's something just click something just happens 
Some of them would be like that. There's almost instantaneous change in our lives. Like, kind of like the, the moment I had where I just blurted out, I don't want to be like my dad. My physical body, my whole sleep patterns, everything realigned in that moment as a result. Equally, some of these things take time. I'd say I've been on a journey of a lifetime of some of this stuff, but honestly, I would say the key is a very, very simple, available to all of us, just a hunger and a desperation for God and the presence of God and his Holy Spirit moving in your life. With physical healing and with inner healing, I'm not saying always and I'm not overly trying to create a link. I'm just saying sometimes there is a link between what needs to happen on the inside to allow then there to be a physical response to something that may be hindering you physically. So often we can be hindered in our lives through things like a sense of worthlessness or anger or fears or actually compulsive sexual desires or other things that you would long to see change. Now there could be loads of things that have triggered that and maybe a root of that, bereavement, sudden loss, experiences of loneliness or rejection, embarrassment, embarrassment from a physical or emotional limitations, low self-esteem, self-hatred, again the list is almost endless. Sometimes when emotional and psychological effects of hurt are not dealt with, you can see physical problems arise. Like, it can develop a loss of sleep. There can be a dizziness, there can be nightmares, there can be migraines, there can be indigestion, so on and so on and so on. Now, the healing of memories, which I believe the Holy Spirit can do, is not the elimination of painful memories. It's God's Spirit taking away the sting and healing the resulting emotional pain. He can reform memories so that they no longer become significant factors in how we feel, think, and act. The hurt can just then recede to the background as the knowledge and the assurance of our identity in Jesus comes to the forward. Now, you often hear people say, well, that's, that's just the way I am. Actually, I don't buy that. I really don't. I think that's, again, a lie of the enemy. That's just the way I am. It's who I am. It's how I am. It's my personality. Hey, honestly, I used to have some major bad attitudes and chips on my shoulders. I honestly don't think I can just say, hey, that's the way I am. You know, I'm a product of my upbringing. I, I can't just be okay with that. I can't settle for that. In Jesus, we have a new nature, and that includes new emotions. Emotional reactions are not supposed to be the things that run our lives. They're meant to support right responses and be servants of righteousness and love. Our emotional responses should be subordinate to the biblical truth of our new nature that we find in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've got to learn to trust what God says about us rather than what often we feel about ourselves. And as we then start to begin to see ourselves as God sees us, we begin to see the provision that he makes for our growth and for our healing. Then we begin to start to de develop a self-esteem that relies on Jesus and is rooted in Jesus rather than in ourselves. Now, I would say it's virtually impossible to do that without realigning some of the attitudes and the thinking that may have been negatively embedded in our hearts, even subconsciously. 
and those that start to hold us back from believing really what God says about us. So if we change the root, we're going to change the fruit. The Holy Spirit is capable of probing quite deeply into our hearts and minds and rooting out past hurts that hold us back. So that's all kind of well and good, isn't it? It sounds nice, but how on earth do we actually do that? You know, I, I would say you wouldn't recognize who I was. I've spent 19 years running into the Father's arms at virtually any and every opportunity. Honestly, the best thing for you, the best thing for this church, and the best thing for this city would be that you become a more Holy Spirit-filled you. That is my greatest hope and longing for you, that the Holy Spirit would fill you more and that you would allow him to do it. Jesus is the healer. And I just long to sit at his feet and I long to see you sit at his feet day by day. Now, you might feel, but I'm living in a place of hurt. I would say as you continue to be filled with a spirit, you will go from living there to visiting there to, to one day not even having to go there. Now, that may be a period of time. It may not be an overnight thing. But that's what he does. He and he alone can and will set you free as you become more responsive to him. The brain records the experiences we have, and it also records the feelings associated with those experiences. So all of us will have had some experiences that have been recorded that negatively impact on us. Through that process of remembering, we can be conscious of the present, but at times, in that moment, also relive the past. The past experience recorded still exists even if the person is not consciously aware of them. Some of these can be recalled at times that may bring a trigger or a prompting in that moment. For other times it may be something that is actually buried an awful lot deeper than just a surface level. Now those past experiences so often have an influence not only on the present but actually also on the future shaping and guiding them and also very often limiting them so the purpose of inner healing is really to minister to those hurtful memories in a way that they're no longer remembered and any feeling of pain will have no negative effect in the present or the future with with that individual who's been prayed for now i would say within a healing the objective the aim is kind of twofold firstly is is the to extend the lordship of jesus christ this is what he does. He sets us free. And there is healing power in the name of Jesus for your past experiences. And then also to break whatever bondages or binds or ties you have from those past experiences that may produce bad fruit in the future. But honestly, we've got to cling to the fact Jesus doesn't bind us. Jesus sets us free. So let's, if we can, I just kind of want to move towards wrapping up with being as practical as I possibly can with this. Such healing is not necessarily instantaneous. It may be a progressive thing. We've got to persist and resist. We've got to persist with pressing in to all that Jesus has for you and resist where the enemy tries to wobble that or destabilize that. Now, I'd say it calls for an openness of the Holy Spirit that is incredibly deliberate. At times, that may mean renouncing sinful attitudes such as well, whatever it might be, but things like resentment or jealousy. We've got to learn to genuinely forgive those that have caused us hurt in our lives. Inner healing can be fundamental. There can be a very strong link 
to that, to physical healing. We are whole. One part of us has an impact on another part of us. So how do you actually pray for people for this kind of stuff? Well, I'd say we need the leading of the Holy Spirit. We've got to have a sensitivity to the Father. We also really have to practice the art of listening. Listening is often defined, I love this definition, it's not thinking about what you're going to say before the other person has finished speaking. Gosh, we do well to listen more and to listen to each other. Our prayer really is, Lord, make me sensitive, not intrusive. Make me sensitive. I often see these times of praying and chatting like this for, for inner healing. I see it really as being like a, I can't think of a better description other than being like a midwife. You know, sometimes we're, we're helping deliver something and there is a timing to that and there's a sensitivity to that. And we're best to let the Holy Spirit do the directing. I would say in those moments, if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. Actually, you don't need to because you're not doing the healing. He's doing the healing. We've just got to wait on God. He is the healer. Now, what people certainly don't need is my or your wise counsel or great advice, which often we jump into because we don't know what to say. So it's like, oh, I'm going to say something. Just let the Lord say what he wants to say. It's really a faith thing to trust him, that he does it and we can just back off without pushing anything on anyone. Again, very much like, um, like a, a midwife, it, it should really be led by the other person. You're just helping to be part of the process. If they're not ready, if they're not willing, and the Holy Spirit hasn't prepared the ground for it to be that moment, we don't need to push anything. I'd say that was partly what happened with, with my sleep. I'd, I'd probably prayed for that moment many times, but there was a moment where the Lord had me in a place where my heart and my receptivity to what he wanted to do did something way wider than just my sleep. Now, there's, there's, there's so much to say in all of this, but just, these are just a few broad brushstrokes because of time. But we don't minister to emotions alone. We've really got to be aware of that. Romans 12 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to grow, so you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Our minds need renewing. We need to renew our minds. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that comes through the Holy Spirit and our active cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Now, I would always encourage anybody, if you're pressing in for this, I'd encourage you anyway, even if you're not, spend time in prayer, spend time in worship, be in active environments, place yourself in environments of community and discipleship. Again, I'd say why in a church setting, it's why... Small groups are so important because this is a long-haul journey. We're shaped in community and we're shaped in relationship with others. Now, again, I think all of this kind of sounds nice and lovely, doesn't it? Who wouldn't want to be more whole, healed, mature, and free? But let's, let's just look at some of the challenges because there are real challenges as we press into inner healing. The first one is, is the, the kind of pray-and-leave-it approach that sometimes I think we can have. It's a little bit short-sighted, I would say, because we have to deal with the real problems in our lives. We can't just say, well, I'm going to pray about it and job done, see what the Lord wants to do. Actually, often he's given us minds 
and he's given us people around us that can help us to dig into some of the underlying causes. You know, it might be something like anxiety or there may be areas of habitual sin that we're living in. Do we have a hard heart or some form of resentment or bitterness or refusal to forgive? They're all things that we should take active steps towards dealing with. Have we carried around in our lives like a, a deep trauma that we haven't fully processed? Again, we, we, we don't want to just pray and leave it. We want to pray and then do something about it. Another challenge, I would say, is just being really passive about it. Well, I prayed, tried that. It'll kick in at some point. No, actually, we've got to take authority over some of this stuff. We may need to repent, and we may need to take active steps towards our healing. One of the greatest challenges I, I would say we face as a church is often understanding and realizing the authority we have. All authority has been given to you. We've got to step into that authority and take authority over some of the stuff that binds us. What, what you don't need is me. And I say that with the greatest love and respect. I don't actually need you. I need the Holy Spirit. I need Jesus. Now, in reality, actually, I do need you. I need your championing. I need people who care and speak truth and love and wisdom and discernment, champion me to be all that I can be. And I need community and to be part of community, to process, and it is part of the process of discipleship and refining as we rub shoulders together. Now, I would also say you need all of that too, but what I'm really saying is we've got to be wise. We've got to lean and focus on Jesus rather than us getting in the way or being the limiter because it can meet a need in you or the person you're praying for where you, it, there can become this really unhealthy dependency and attachment. Again, I'd say Jesus doesn't bind us. Jesus came to free us. He says, John 8, verse 36, so the sun sets you free. You are truly free. You, you don't need to be bound to somebody else. Somebody else doesn't hold the key or the pass or the tunnel through which you need to go for your healing. Jesus holds the key. Another challenge is really just reliving something and going through something doesn't actually bring you healing from it. I could tell you many stories of that. I could wallow in my own self-pity of some of the things I've been through or experienced or some of the things that I'd say have robbed me or I've missed out on as a result. Just because we've been through something doesn't mean we're going to learn from it. And just because we relive something doesn't mean we're then going to walk away from it more healthily and walk into a place of healing. The search for the root of pain is never the end in itself. We have to take responsibility and to own our own decisions and decisions that we've made and or release forgiveness to those who have caused us hurt and to have a commitment to seeking right living in, a king, in the kingdom of God as we seek to move forward into the fullness of what God has for us. Now... For, the, for what I'm about to say, for those of you that think I've been a bit religious or I'm incredibly outdated, I'd rather you be frustrated with me in saying it, but say what I believe to be true rather than shy away from it. I'd, I would say that often people can respond well to somebody of the opposite sex in conversations or discussions with some of these areas around inner healing just often the way we're wired, you may find it easier to share it with somebody of the opposite, opposite sex, a deep-rooted hurt or pain that becomes 
exposed. Now, I cannot stress to you strongly enough that whatever the conversation, I would encourage you to always have somebody of the same sex in that conversation. If not, actually, it's really helpful sometimes to have a couple of people of the same sex because you don't want to become dependent on one person as you work through stuff. Now, the reason I think for that, we can go into it another time, but I think it's actually fairly obvious, but it is tragic watching what often begins as a, as a pure, sincere desire for healing lead to significant problems and downfalls as emotional attachments are built and wrong relationships are formed. Inner healing involves a deep release of the spirit of God in us, and in those moments, there's a vulnerability and a sensitivity that can form unhelpful attachments because the enemy longs for that ground. If you're going to be free, what's the enemy going to try and do? Stop you being free. So we thank God for any past experiences of the Holy Spirit that we have had in our lives, but then we're told, go again. We don't stop. It's not a one-time moment. We want to keep being filled. Ephesians 5 verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are often areas in our lives that become walled off. You know, you build a wall around it from the Holy Spirit of which when we give our lives to Jesus for that first moment of like, yeah, I give my life to Jesus, you're not always aware. You're not always, you don't always have the eyesight to see some of the walls that have been built in your life. And so we all need subsequent moments of spiritual commitment and Holy Spirit experiences for him to free us and to break down the walls. Once though we become aware of that wall, once we become aware of that barrier, we'd do well to make a decision to open our lives up to Jesus, to forgive where necessary, to repent of resentment or whatever it might be, and to pray for the Holy Spirit to then exercise his lordship in that area of your life as with any other area of your life where you've already allowed him in. Now, I realize a lot of what I've said is um, quite intense, quite fast-paced, and for many of you, you have felt bound and you have felt hindered. Well, I pray for some of you there will be instantaneous moments where the light just comes on and the spirit breaks in and frees you equally. I want to say just commit, persist in that relationship of allowing the Lord to do that work in your life and allowing others to walk alongside you and resist the enemy. Resist where he tries to bind. Resist where he says it's not worth it. Resist where sometimes when it gets stirred up, it actually feels worse and it feels harder. It felt easier to bury it. We've got to allow the Spirit of God to truly set us free. Why don't we stand together? for listening to find out more head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description